the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I probably need to go ahead and answer the question that I suspect is on many of your minds. Have we changed our liturgical style here at St. Stephen's and are we going to start doing that kind of weird stuff all the time? <laughs> that is a custom on the first Sunday of Lent in Episcopal churches. If you loved it, I encourage you to stay. We'll do it again at 1115. If it was not your cup of tea, you don't have to hear it again until next year. So now that we've settled that, one of the remarks that was made on um, following Wednesday by some of our staff was an observation that people come to church on Ash Wednesday. And, and oftentimes different people that come uh, on Christmas and Easter. And it, and it felt like a, a really, especially in the evening, like a really full energy. And I, and I think it's because people are searching. They are hungry for how they can understand their lives fundamentally different. And that is the transformative power of the gospel, what we proclaim at church. And it reminded me that the, Lent, the Lenten season it's not just about stripping down all the excess in life, but it is really about self-exploration. Because that's what really happens when we do that hard work of repentance and self-examination. It propels us on a journey. Now, you all have sought out at least an hour on a Sunday morning, and you're listening to a sermon or you're tuning in online. So if I'm bold enough to say, you are on a spiritual journey, whether you realize it or not. You are a seeker. Thanks be to God. Now I am going to reflect on today's gospel, this story in the fourth chapter of Matthew. But I want to explore the story of Nicodemus first that takes place over really the entirety of John's gospel. You might, um, and, I, and I know this is challenging in Episcopal Church where we don't have many Bibles in the pews. Um, you're welcome to kind of look on your phone if that's helpful. Um, Nicodemus shows up in the gospel according to John three times. Only three times. But they're significant. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's the group that is critical of Jesus. They're concerned with the legal traditions and the customs and the ceremonies. They show up. The Pharisees are mentioned a hundred times in the Gospels, um, or about a hundred, and almost always um, it's not in the most redeeming light. Nicodemus is one of them. And when we meet him in the third chapter of John's Gospel, he comes to him in the middle of the night. And in fact, later when Nicodemus is referred to, it's the one that comes to Jesus in the night. Maybe he's concerned for his safety, taking a bold risk for what many would seem as an illicit meeting. 
And I read something recently that talked about for that to take place, there would have to be this deep longing in his heart for someone who's a Pharisee that's critical of this man that's getting caught up in all the, the turmoil and the, and the negative um, trying to control who Jesus is. There would have to be this longing in his heart that would drive him to seek out Jesus in the middle of the night. More than just curiosity. The next time we encounter Nicodemus is in the seventh chapter. And it's when he, who, um, the, the, some of the Pharisees are part of the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish council that's trying to, to squash this kind of uprising that's beginning to take place. And, the, and actually the, the NRSV that we read puts an exclamation point when, when, he, um, when the Pharisees proclaim, never has anyone spoken like this. They're talking about Jesus. And then it's Nicodemus who reminds his colleagues that there is a Jewish law that requires a hearing before one is judged. And he has met, as you wouldn't be surprised, with resistance. Now, it's, maybe it's easy to overlook at this when we, we, as Episcopalians, just get one chapter at a, or one little section at a time. But if you look at, look at both of these, what you see is there's growth in Nicodemus. He's on a spiritual journey. He's risked his well-being earlier and now he's, his understanding of what it means to be faithful is changing and growing. And when we see him again, finally, in the 19th chapter of John, it is Nicodemus who brings myrrh and aloe and takes Jesus' body on Good Friday and wraps it in spices and lays it in the tomb. He doesn't leave the crucifixion like many others. It, it becomes his faith lived out. He is a pilgrim, a seeker, a person on a spiritual journey, longing to know the Jesus Christ that transforms his life. And I share his story on the first Sunday in Lent because Lent really is a spiritual journey. And my hope is that his model is a source of inspiration for all of us who seek a deeper and more faithful life in Christ. We learn to ask risky questions about our faith, questions that keep us up at night, and to see our faith slowly transforming our life so then we have an impact in the circles that we exist in until our faith is so transformative that it is us who take the body of Christ and extend the utmost care and love to everyone that we meet. That's an example of a spiritual life, which brings us to our gospel today. You will not dash your foot against a stone. Now, those words have been haunting me all week, probably the most seductive of all three of the temptations that we encounter. The first temptation is Jesus is tempted to turn stone into bread, to, to promise fulfillment, to be able to nourish and give substance at all times. That's a pretty beautiful temptation, that temptation of power, even if used for good. The last temptation is probably more well known. In this account, Jesus is taken up on a high mountain and promised that all the world will worship him. 
that temptation that appeals to vanity and pride to be worshipped by all. It's a, a pretty incredible temptation. But the middle one is the one that I find so interesting. You will not dash your foot against a stone. It is the temptation of safety, which is why I find the story of Nicodemus so interesting. He sneaks out in the middle of the night. I'm guessing that he puts his role in the community in jeopardy and the encounter changes the entire trajectory of his life. Which begs our question for Lent. What is keeping you from a deeper relationship with the one you call, that we call our Lord and Savior? Is it the reluctance to give up our most beloved possessions, time, is it an unwillingness to see our lives in this great litany that we began our service with, specifically our own role in the world's not being the manifestation of the kingdom of God? Repentance takes enormous risk. To live more intentionally and faithfully requires time. It requires us to give up so much of what we take pride in our identity of success and well-being. It calls us to question our choices of the groups that we want to be a part of. It is risky work to acknowledge that we're all a, a part of a culture that may not be the best for everyone. And yet, here we are. Every one of you has shown up or tuned in. You've given up your Sunday morning. And the benefit of knowing most of y'all pretty well, I can say with certainty that probably every single person in their, this room has invested a whole lot more than one Sunday into their Christian faith. But Lent has come once again to hold up our lives in an ethic of self-examination to deepen our faith and to help us prepare for the gift that is around the corner. Today is a reminder that safety is a temptation. You're being asked to give your lives for our faith, to invest time and energy to explore who you are what's been left undone and what's been done. Our prayer this morning is that examination leads us to a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior so that when Good Friday arrives, we find ourselves with Nicodemus, a life transformed by a relationship with God. Amen. <clears throat>